You to keep me on task. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bible and Banter. You have Mike, the wonderful, happy Valentine's Day, Alex, and you've got me, uh, Eric Reynolds. We're glad to be with you. We're going to be talking about uh, leadership training, I believe is our topic that we had decided on. Um yeah, Mike, what did you think of the halftime show on on Sunday? At the I Super thought it was Bowl? great. I thought it was great, but I'm also a gen, uh, child of that generation. I wasn't always a huge um, hip hop fan, but uh, it just brought back a lot of a lot of memories. Um, and so I'm of that generation that probably loved it. Um, from what I, I think I saw a meme the other day. If if you're 50 or older, you probably hated it. If you're, you know. 30 or not even 30, but let's say, just say 30 or younger, you had no idea what was going on. But if you were in any, any other, uh, any other realm, you, you absolutely loved it. If you're between 30 and 49. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, I, we were at a, a church member had us over for, for it. Uh, they are of the same generation. They were familiar with, um, they were familiar with Snoop D-O-double-G they were familiar with Doc D-R-E, uh, as well as Eminem, also known as Marshall Mathers. Uh, Mary J. Blige was also one in whom they were familiar. And then it was not revealed, but I predicted that 50, that's right, 50 Cent would make an appearance, and he did. It was awesome. So um, 50 Cent apparently has gone through inflation because he looked like a buck fifty. Right. Here's I saw a meme the the other day. We're all talking about you know how much Fifty Cent has filled out while we're all downing beer and wings. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe let's let's hold off on the judgmentalism, right? Exactly. Uh, but I thought it was great, man. I thought it, oh Kendrick Lamar was also on there. I thought I I thought Kendrick kind of didn't really fit into the whole dynamic. Exactly. I thought he was yeah. out of place. Um, I think yeah. he did an okay job, but he just didn't fit with the, the the rest of them. I think, but there are a couple songs by Kendrick that I actually that I do like. Um, Robin said, "Dude, talking about Fifty Cent, dude can still hang upside down and sing like it was nothing." That's true, sure. unless it was unless it was like piped in, you know, unless right. it was uh, which isn't uncommon. But it was it was great, man. It was it was awesome. And when fit when Fifty came out, oh my goodness, I lost it. I lost it. So uh, it was fun, man. It was it was a little bit of nostalgia. So absolutely, it was. Uh, I was having this conversation because, like, I don't listen to that music regularly anymore. Um, and in part because, like, I don't find it incredibly edifying. But um, you know, that's the music of my youth. That's what I was listening to when I was when I was a teenager or preteen. So right. it was. Uh, it was kind of a nice. I don't know. What do you call it? Uh, um, blast from the past. That's yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Good. No. I, another meme that I appreciated was because I guess there were some people saying that they were gonna that there's gonna be a holographic Tupac. Um, Dude, that would have been sick. Kind of like what Star Wars have been doing with Luke Skywalker. Exactly. In Mandalorian. Yeah. And so the uh, the the meme was of the Pawn Star guys, you know, and they're you know haggling, <laughs> and it says, uh, yeah. "Can can I get you know a holographic tube Tupac?" <laughs> and their response is, 
best we can do is an upside down 50 cent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, it was good. It was good. And it was a good game, too. It was a good game. Uh, we only watched the first half. So yeah. there was that. We had we went home. I wasn't really interested in the game. I was pulling for the Rams only because I feel like Matt Stafford got a raw deal playing in Detroit, just like anybody that ends up playing in Detroit in just about any sport. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's funny. You're, because no, it's you're true. not wrong. Yeah. So, so I was pulling for him. But um, we went home and we watched the latest episode of 1883, which is the spinoff of, of Yellowstone. It's like a prequel. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, and you'll be happy. Happy to know we have started Book of Boba Fett, it's and we time. just watched episode five, so we're not okay. quite up. So wait, remind me, what happened in episode five? Episode five, basically Boba Fett's not in it, and we finally kind of catch up with uh, with uh, Mando from yes. where the Mandalorian ended. And so he's learning all about his little semi lightsaber thing and uh, it's the dark saber mike dark mike saber, the yeah. dark saber which is one of the most important uh like elements in all of star wars where is it ever shown up other than just now ha- haven't you seen the clone wars no you haven't seen clone wars the television series the the um the cartoon series mike michael Michael J. Alex, listen, what is wrong with you? Why are you the way that you are? It it is between the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, they are better than anything else Star Wars has ever done. See, I don't think I've even watched Star Wars Rebels. What is Star Wars Rebels? It is, I think, I forget which movies it's in between, but it's filthy. So you know how Ahsoka showed up in the last, like the last or second to last season of Mandalorian. Mandalorian? Yep. So she's from Star Wars Rebels. Okay. And she- so she shows up there, and she also shows up in the Clone Wars. I know so we did we did start the Clone Wars a little bit, but I don't okay. know anything about this Rebels stuff. Mike, you have you, Mike, you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm really frustrating you. <laughs> This is, this is, oh my goodness, man. Star Wars, like, oh man, I don't know what can to, you I stream. I know you can stream Disney Plus. Okay, you can do the Rebels thing too on Disney Plus. All everything, everything is on okay. Disney Plus. Everything Star Wars. Okay. Uh, but okay, you're doing Boba Fett, fine, great. I wasn't overly <laughs> impressed with, I wasn't overly impressed with the season of Boba Fett. I don't know that there's going to be a second season of Boba Fett. Like, I'm wondering if it's just a one-off series. I think that's all it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some cool. There's even another character that shows up later in Boba Fett that was also part of. Um, I don't know if he. I don't remember if he was in Rebels, but he was in in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So, the store. I mean, the storylines are so good in those animated series. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah, you got you got to watch it, man. All right, I'll talk to Erica about it. Man, <laughs> it's like it's like every week you find new ways to disappoint me. Try try being my people, <laughs> the people I shepherd. 
<laughs> well, isn't that leadership? Leadership. Uh, I forget who said it, but leadership. Uh, it might have been Will Mancini who said that leadership is disappointing people at a rate they can handle. See, that's my problem. I don't think it's at a rate they can handle. <laughs> How long have you been there? 11 years. Oh, well, they've handled it this far. It's true. But he talks about that in the in the the sense that um, people are always going to want you to, to do something that you're not going to be able to do and to affect positive change in the culture of your church. You have to kind of disappoint people by not bringing them to where um, where they want to go because where they want to go is often not where they need to go. Right. But you have to do it at a rate that they can handle. Um, I'm questioning on whether or not this is a level of disappointment I can handle for much longer. <laughs> hey, you're lost, buddy. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So, uh, so Mike, what else is anything else going on before we get on to our topic? Uh, no, I, I do have a question for anybody on that watches our show and granted, okay. We're, you know, I need to ask this of my local area here in Waterville, but trying to find contractors and especially honorable and reliable contractors, but um, we're just noticing how drafty and cold, especially our upstairs is to our house. Mm -hmm. And just wondering if there's a way to insulate your house from the outside rather than like going inside and like tearing down drywall or plaster or whatever and everything. If there's a way to, you know, do blown in insulation from the exterior rather than uh, do it from the interior. I remember we, our house was a little bit drafty when we were kids. And what we did uh, was we put towels underneath the doors, like in the <laughs> door frames. Yeah. So that it wouldn't go from room to room. Have yep. you tried that? No, no. Okay. Well, that's just my two cents. Yeah, maybe, that's maybe. a possible. That's a. That's a. Th a th you could also off. build a wall up around your house. That's true. <laughs> is it possible you guys need new windows? That's part of it. That I know that that is part of part of the issue. Is we probably could use new win. Not probably. Yeah, we we do need new windows, but um, but we have an issue around our dormers. We have a metal roof, which is great, but around our dormers, when snow builds up. And then either we get like rain or sleet or stuff. If I don't, after a storm, rake the roof and pull some of that snow down and off the roof away from the dormers, it'll leak and melt into the house because of ice dams and stuff. Yeah. And so I've been told by some people, that, well, that's because you're getting too much heat loss. Mm. And it's melting the snow that's right up against the dormers. And then it has nowhere to go because it freezes on the edges and it has nowhere else to go but inside. So I'm trying to prevent heat loss. Yeah, no, that's uh, well, and you could save a lot of money on on whatever you use for heat. All right, now I, is it? Yeah. Do you, I forget. Do you guys own or do you guys have a parsonage? Own. Okay, that's good. I when we were down at the uh, retirement community down at Evan Christian Village, I heard a couple of pastors talk about how um, how essentially living in parsonages most of their career if not all their career has really hurt them. They're staring at retirement and it's like, yeah, so I, I'm kind of in trouble here. 
you know, because they've not been able to build equity and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's really good when a church can, you know, uh, doesn't have a parsonage and can afford to pay you so that you can buy a house on the economy. Um, mm. but not all churches are in that position. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's tough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So l- leadership, uh, leadership training, man. So I was kind of like when we we're texting about it this morning. So we texted about it before I even realized this, but there was a, a nine marks, um, pastor's talk episode that dropped either yesterday or this morning, a podcast, um, talking about discipling leaders, discipling elders and whatnot. So that, that was really helpful. So I'd encourage you guys, if you, um, listen to podcasts, go to listen to the pastor's talk podcast with, um, with, uh, Mark Dever. So uh, it was really good, but I, I wanted to look at not only training, um, leaders in, in the local church, but also training churches, you know, in and for the local church, but training leaders, um, for vocational ministry. So raising up elders, deacons, and other kinds of leaders that might be in your church. And then also, well, how, what's the best way of training or what are the different options of training leaders um, for vocational ministry? Like you and I are a part of. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you and I have kind of had some different, you know, you and I have had some different experiences and we've also attended different seminaries and Bible colleges. So, you know, you and I will probably have a, a lot to contribute to differing perspectives on the, uh, in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so Mike, um, can you, let's start with the local church, man. Mm-hmm. Um, have you identified any things that have worked for you? Um, or maybe you've observed it in other people's ministries, friends of yours or other churches in your area, how they've developed leaders and then trained them as well. Uh, more observed how other people do it well and have not really found anything in our local church that uh, works well. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest and I, I, you know, full transparency when you asked about this, I, you know, I mentioned, you know, sure, I'm not real good at it. <laughs> and you're like, we'll talk about how you're not good at it. And so, um, honestly, in our local church, uh, you know, you read leadership books and you talk to leadership gurus or listen to them or this, that, and the other thing, it's almost like I have not had the experience where there are people in my church just chomping at the bit to lead anything, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, either they're burned out, uh, they don't think they're qualified or they don't even think they're not qualified. It just doesn't cross their mind to be the leader. You know, as I say, we don't have many queen bees. We have a lot of worker bees. And it used to be we had a lot of worker bees. Now we it's even hard to find worker bees. Um, so the, the idea of just having this pipeline of leaders to just, you know, set up a program and train, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we, um, th- that could be the fault of my leadership. It could be the fault of the church or it could just be the, the culture that that is in the area. Um, but we've never really gotten anything off the ground necessarily because when we think about it, we think about, well, who would, who would enter into this uh, situation? But, um, mm-hmm. uh, but really the, the, the things that I observe in other churches that they do well is it's less programmatic and more um, – and we, we do this a little bit. I have one elder who's really 
really trying to do this and do this well, but it's more about inviting someone into a relationship, mm-hmm. um, uh, really almost a mentor discipling relationship and bringing them along that process, which is a lot slower than just offering like a, a, a two year track to becoming a better leader. Um, mm-hmm. in the church uh, type of deal. So, Well, Mike, cons- consider this. I actually brought this up in my sermon this past Sunday. I was preaching on, on Acts 14. And, you know, it tracks the Paul's first missionary journey throughout um, kind of the Medi- like Mediterranean, Turkey, and um, hitting Cyprus and, and all that. And, like, Paul kind of does, like, a, a loop and then comes all the way back around again. And I shared with the church, like this journey, most commentators suggest only took about two years. Mm-hmm. So this first journey only takes about two years. And in this passage, it indicates that, that they did what Paul and Barnabas went and preached for a time. They also had John Mark who was helping them raise up disciples. So they were, in, they were really teaching them what it meant to follow Jesus, what it meant to be a Christian. And then they moved on. Um, so, so they preached, they spent some time building up, then they moved on to the next city or next town. And they did that for about, you know, two years and then came all the way back around. Well, the entire journey took about two years. And, and towards the end, it said that they appointed elders in every place that they had established the church. So you got to think about this, Mike, when's the last time you met someone who became an elder, an elder? Who let and let's be clear, the scriptures speak of an elder essentially, uh, it's the same thing as a pastor. So, when you say elder and pastor, it's the same thing, same authority. So, when have you seen someone come to faith and then within two years they're now appointed as an elder in a local church or pastor? So, came to faith and then became an elder within two years? Yes, zero. Yeah, it's incredibly rare. Now, um, one can make, I think, a valid point in saying, well, this is the early life of the church. Like there was kind of, need <laughs> breeds solutions. And, um, and I a hundred percent, and I agree with that. Um, and, and the Holy Spirit's working in the, in the middle of that. And there are stories of Advent Christian pastors. I, I heard this story a number of years ago of Advent Christian pastors. Some would come to faith and within six months, they were sent out to go be an evangelist or go to be um, a pastor and whatnot. Now I'm not saying that that's, uh, unwise, but it is, it does strike me as a little quick because Paul does instruct Timothy not to, um, not to appoint elders who are, who've not been the faith, right. Who are new believers. So there is a sense in which there's prudence and wisdom in training someone for a period of time for gospel ministry, training them to be a leader. Mm -hmm. But Paul saw that as two years, not six months. So there, there is kind of that delineation. Now, we don't want to be prescriptive about that, meaning Paul wasn't laying out for us. Well, it has to be two years. If you're not raising leaders in two years, then you failed. But I think it is descriptive of when the need arises, people often, you know, rise up to that. God uses that and creates in them a desire, a call, and equips them. So I, I just look at that as encouraging. I also, I think I shared last week, but I, I know I shared this with my church is um, Keller did research a number of years ago in a paper he wrote to his church, Redeemer Presbyterian um, about the need for church planting. And they've established a church planting network across the globe with mm-hmm. tremendous success. 
And he said that I think it was 80 to 85% of new believers arise for, or excuse me, new churches, church plants, uh, have uh, 85% more new believers than established churches, those churches that have been around for, for decades. So that wasn't meant as like any form of indictment or anything like that on established churches, which is kind of like your church or my church and probably most of the churches that are people who are members of churches watch this program. Um, but it's just it's an observation um, using data. So uh, with that in mind, he kind of teased out some of the things that came out of planting churches. And I shared this in my article that I wrote last last week on on church planting, which is. In, in the midst of church planting, there's a great need. There's a need for leaders. There's a need for, for all that. And God uses it to raise up leaders. Um, so someone might be able to come to Christ and then become a leader in the church a lot quicker in a new church than they would in a long established church for a number of reasons. And he goes on to tease some of that out. Some of it's tradition. Some of it's just the relationships It's hard to break into new relationships. Oh yeah. I, we found that in our church, even if it's not a new Christian, but new people in the church, mm -hmm. uh, I've been surprised with how oftentimes people, the established people in the church can become territorial mm -hmm. and like, who is this new person? You know, doing this that the other thing you know like they haven't they haven't been here long enough to contribute <laughs> and it's like uh, whether, no whether or not they say that out loud but there there can yeah. be that attitude and that's very unfortunate yeah. because the thing is the local church needs leaders mm -hmm. and i i think i've never i have yet mike correct me if i'm wrong but i have not uh, not yet heard of a pastor or a church who said hey we have too many leaders Right. Like there's there's a dearth of leaders. There's not a right. plethora. Um, so what we have to do is create space, I think. In which we allow people to grow and, and grow as disciples and grow into leadership roles and, and all that. So I just found that really convicting reading Acts 14 and um, preaching it this past Sunday. Um, it's a. Uh, it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge for us. I think to kind of reconfigure how we think about church, how we think about um, how we disciple, how we train leaders, because uh, it's no, it's no secret. Like our denomination has a uh, huge deficit of leaders. Uh, we have a huge deficit of, of pastors and, and all that. So we got to be cognizant of that. So Mike, you talked a little bit about um, about what you've observed regarding other people mm -hmm. training leaders in their local church. And I think you said, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but that you've seen it often most successful in organic relationships rather than a structured program. Mm -hmm. Can you just share like what might that, you know, how you've seen or how you've heard that? Well, for, for example, like if you're looking for elders, you know, um, an elder takes a guy or two under his wing, you know, you, you know, you, you, you know, they come along the, uh, the walk with you, you know, maybe you put them in the elders meetings for a trial run to see if it'll work. You know, you don't just make them an elder out of the blue, but you walk with them, mm -hmm. uh, similar with maybe, you know, rather than having like a sit down class, a discipleship class or a leadership class 
which I don't think those things are wrong, but it, it seems as though, um, you know, kind of like what I said, I think a lot of churches don't necessarily have a ton of people that are just wanting to sit in a classroom and, and, uh, and just generally lead. But if you're w walking them in a certain area or certain direction on a more minor scale, um, mm -hmm. but there, there could be, uh, but at the same time, I think of, you know, more church based leadership things. If you've got enough people that want to learn, um, I think a more structured environment could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just not, I, I just, at, at my church, I'm not quite sure there would be the traction for that. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know the details of your church. I only know the details of, of my church. Um, We've had some measured success in some areas, and, and it's largely been organic or somewhat structured. I'll give you an example, Mike. Uh, prior to COVID, actually, Matt, our associate pastor, Matt Rice, um, he and I were talking because prior to his getting here, prior because he came in the middle of COVID, um, for a good like six months, we were meeting like our instead of having an elder board, we have a deacon board, and they serve essentially as elders. And every week or every two weeks, we would get together in part of our meeting. We would go over an article I had sent them either that week or the week before. And it would be training. It would be on a theological topic or beyond um, it beyond like what is biblically speaking an elder? What's what's a deacon? What are their responsibilities? And just like kind of building up because I knew in the beginning, I wanted them to read a bunch of books largely because I read a bunch of books and I realized that just wasn't going to work for us. So we went back to the drawing board and decided to do these short articles. A lot of them came from like nine marks. And some of those articles were 500 to 750 words. Like they were super short, but they were to the point and they were impactful and they, they were an opportunity for us to discuss together. Um, you know, these topics, because one of the problems, Mike, I think is that we want to, we want to teach people what to think instead of how to think. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to inculcate instead of uh, inspire them to learn and to grow. 